0: Welcome to The Crone's Porch, Magic, Bitchcraft, and a Liminal Approach to Magical Faith. This is your grandmother's podcast.
1: Content warning, use of colorful language, lots of complaining, and general curmudgeonry. These opinions are our own, which we express as individuals following a crone path.
0: On today's episode, it's a tangent, and we're talking about the big question. Is it time to leave the pagan identity behind? Hi, Ian. Hello, Colin. How's it going? I mean, besides the. Well, New York's actually doing pretty decent. But besides the existential fear of the start of the school year, I'm actually doing pretty good. How are you?
1: I'm good. I just moved to Rochester and I'm starting a new job. So I'm starting a big old life transition.
0: Woot woot! Here's the transition. So what what we drinking?
1: Uh, well, I am drinking. I am trying a new, a new cider. It's it's a Breton cider called Kelt. It's, I haven't tasted it yet, but it looks good. What are you um, drinking?
0: I am continuing on the 1911 train because it's all that was in my fridge still. <laughs> That's fair. So well, I'll have to get up. We'll have to do a trade off at some point because that sounds really good. I'm always up for new cider brands. uh, They also,
1: the place I got it also carries, like, multiple Magnus flavors and a couple other, like, they have a huge row of ciders. Didn't even know Magnus
0: had multiple flavors, so that's exciting. They have pear and berry. Oh, the pear is not surprising, but the berries actually sound surprising.
1: It's black currant. It's very tasty.
0: Ooh, that sounds good, but here's one for you, one for me, and one to the old crones, who are coming back. Clink.
1: Oh, cilantro, that's good.
0: Yes, and it's almost crone season again. We are on the backswing to our favorite time of... Well, at least my favorite time of year, fall. Woo!
1: I did a ritual today basically announcing that, for me, Young God season was over and crone season <laughs> begins. Because <laughs> I was like, season. I can't wait.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's let's hop in. Today is a tangent episode. So, this is It we're is, but it's probably going to be minds. a long
1: tangent. It's probably uh, going to yeah. be a long tangent.
0: So, sorry to those of you who expect 26 to 30 minute tangent episodes. This one's probably going to go a bit because it's it's a lot. It's a lot.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but um we should probably like uh, you know, set the stage of the style in which we will be doing this one because it's going to be slightly slightly more heavy than usual, and we're going to be rocking the boat and doing lots of confrontational learning. If you read so, the title,
0: you're probably like, wait, what? What in the what, what? But yes, we're doing it. We're having this conversation.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like, our our general approach as human beings um, is we kind of like to have personal confrontation, not in like an antagonistic way, but rather like, someone confronts you with a thing and then you learn together and that's what we're doing. So it can seem very intimidating if you haven't experienced it before, but it's actually a really helpful approach because we're not here to make fun of you or shame you. Our, what we're trying to do is rather show you new ideas and the problems with other ideas, and then we all do it the work together.
0: Yeah, and this is an internal conversation that we've been having for a long time. So a lot of this is our own personal inherent, inherently messy build it as we go philosophies um so there are works in progress
1: yeah and it's just gonna be messy because human beings are messy philosophy is messy magic is messy it's just a whole lot of mess and us and as ian said a work in progress so there is that and we're gonna be talking about some levels of like Arrogance and self-righteousness that we've seen in our community, and we recognize the irony of our personal ire. So we're going to try to to approach that from a very like intentional place.
0: Yeah, we we get the irony of coming on a podcast to talk about <laughs> to talk about this. We see the picture. I I'm, I kind yeah. of enjoy it. I live in a space of irony. My life is one big ironic mess, and I enjoy it.
1: I mean, own the mess. That's
0: the pro- that's the approach. <laughs> All right, but we gotta just dive in. So, probably the title, which we will <laughs> inevitably write in the future, but I'm gonna guess it's something close to what I'm about to say. But Colin, big question of the day: Is it time for us to leave the pagan identity behind for some 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 type of future?
1: I would I would say yes and. You know, that for many viewers, I'm sure have that sort of rising fear in their chest that I had when I first started thinking about it. And we're not talking about leaving your magical faith or practices behind, but rather the term pagan and all the baggage that comes with it.
0: Yeah, so let's start at the beginning, Colin. The origins of pagan.
1: Yeah, so the word pagan is a Latin-derived word. In Classical Latin and Old Latin, It's paganus, um, which originally kind of meant like county, and then it became a byword for like a member of a localized community, like a civilian. Um, And then in the Christianization of Rome, the Latin paganus, which became pagan in English, referred to any non-Christian and was kind of a, a slur way of saying uncivilized, more or less so pagan in and of itself its origin is in localized community and then being appropriated to be used to mean anyone that isn't christian and that's not just polytheists but also muslims jewish
0: people um atheists buddhists etc yeah so even in the beginning The origin of our of this word that we've been using to talk about our community is in and of itself not descriptive of our community which kind of leads into like we've been having this conversation i mean lately it seems like almost every day but before that we've had this you know here and there for like the last year or so and for me it really boils down to we've been have i've been having a lot of problematic feelings around pagan and paganism and what it means to be pagan and what it means to be a part of the pagan community. And I, th- and I think that it's culminating in, is it really time for us as a community to let that go, let paganism go and find either a new identity or redefine pagan, that might be also a pathway. But what? Like, I think it, we're at a crossroads in time, at least for us, we're at a crossroads.
1: Yeah, especially when you, when you think about how, how actually old pagan, the pagan identity is, and you start raising questions of, is it already become kind of outdated? I mean, both the word itself is quite old, but I mean, like, the identity that we generally describe as pagan in the United States is actually quite old, and I'd say it's probably out of date with how the community actually is now or is developing into.
0: Yeah, and and I feel like in a lot of ways, the use of pagan identity, or at least the paganism moniker, is, is like in that crossroads, it's stunting potential growth. And I think a lot of that is... Uh, wrapped up in what it means to be pagan. So you have the the typical pagan like <laughs> I know we've we've done a video podcast so this kind of becomes a moot point, but if this this is the first time you're listening to us, I can already imagine that you're assuming that we're two white identified folks talking about magic, which is true. But that says something about the pagan identity that it's a white assumed majority, which in a lot of ways is and it isn't, it's like, it's the, the word pagan is just so complicated now. And the community, I think at large, hasn't done a lot of work around interrogating that, deciding what ways it can either, uh, develop out of that kind of complication or even developing new identities to leave the complicated problematic one behind.
1: Yeah, I would, I would agree. And I guess that kind of starts us off into, we should probably share our personal feelings, like what brought us to this sort of realization or question in our lives (laughs) um, as to why we have such, you know, such an issue with the problematic aspects.
0: (laughs) Uh, I mean, for me, it's been a lot. I've been, as I've been developing a, I get a more institutional anti-racist practice within myself, and being one who identifies in more Eastern European, so heathenry, Norse, but also in Slavic faith, I've had to confront a lot of fucked up groups, you know, using identity markers using faith symbols, and then trying to see what could be reclaimed, is it possible, it so, and develop. So, and it's been disheartening. And I think that's really been connected to as this broader concept that uh, a lot of folks that I ha- I've known or just have seen on the internet, paganism usually somehow means, or people assume it to mean, some sort of traditional and, and ethnic specific, identity, that to be heathen means you are of a specific ethnic uh, identity and that you have specific cultural traditions that are connected to a past that is long past. (laughs) Uh, And I don't feel comfortable with that. I'm very much not a Reconstructionist. I I will say that. That is my bias. I do not like Reconstruction. Uh, frameworks. I think I feel like they are uh, disillusioned about the past uh, and this idea that they can recapture what was. Um, but that has been tumultuous in my life. Like, what what could I do to? save faiths and i've come to this point of leaving it behind saying it's if it's gone so far nazis specifically with heathenry nazis have invaded it so deep that it might be time to let that identity go and build anew let the building burn
1: i would i would say for me it's to build on what you just said was the idea of of for me it's it's more along the lines of fetishizing and being mired in tradition rather than pulling from tradition Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, tradition is important but only in that it gives us gives us something to like to pull from and to bring forward with us rather than trying obsessively trying to be accurate to it because it's a constant dialogue traditions change considerably over time and that's just how culture works mm-hmm. so we shouldn't be afraid to innovate and pull from tradition but allow ourselves to create something new from it mm-hmm. um, it's it's like ancestors so like you know you everybody everybody or almost everybody has you know an ancestor that was really important to you or that you pull from really heavily but that doesn't mean that everything they were and did was not problematic. Like there are things that you take from the, your experiences and your admiration for that person, and there there are things you leave behind, and that's how tradition should be treated in my mind. Yeah. Um, and we've discussed this before uh, about it, but also, also uh, there seems to be an assumption that tradition, especially those you know you're talking about that ethnic nationalism that an assumption that those cultural traditions and those sets of beliefs are contained within modern nationalist or nation-state identities which they're not (laughs) because like that's why i like to say gaelic rather than irish or scottish in particular because it was far more complicated They didn't have a unified idea of Ireland. They didn't have a unified idea of Scotland. They had local affiliations, clan affiliations, all these sorts of things. The same goes for most of the planet is the modern nation state didn't exist and they didn't think of it that way. And also a lot of these traditions were not monolingual. They shared ideas but they ne- didn't necessarily share same language or dialect either so to say that norse tradition only can pull from old norse or, or gaelic tradition can only from pull from modern gaelic is, is or, or whatever is is ethnic nationalism at rather than you know an appreciation of of past tradition so yeah. that sort of purity politics is incredibly damaging Mm -hmm. and it has led me that and other things has kind of led me what led me to this was also the fact that i don't feel super great in almost all of the groups that i've been to that identify as pagan that i haven't built myself they have been like super either super problematic to the point where i'm like this is incredibly uncomfortable for me to be here because you obviously are like just ignoring queerness rather than being actively against it for example or also, just you're you're just being really shitty because you can be really shitty, and that's not an excuse. Um, yeah. So please. Please don't drag my gods into your shittiness. That that's really upsetting to me. Yeah, I th- I'm being yeah. personally triggered by by what I feel is your abusing something important to me, which is like a personal thing, but also <laughs> just sort of an observation that brought me here.
0: Yeah, I, I I would agree. I've had a lot of similar experiences of people using paganism or you know, natural fates or whatever they want to call it as a shield to be racist, to be homophobic, and just falling them behind the, well, I'm discriminated against, you know, I don't get my holidays off, so I'm just as oppressed as you, you know, thing. I've heard, like, (laughs) a hot take, but I think I've heard – more people talk about how terrible Christians are than actually have met terrible Christians, which is, like, as someone who's queer and trans who, like, actively sees Christian people being violent against us with using a faith in God's image, you know, I have very rarely ever seen or met anyone directly who has been, like you're the work i've and, gotten off comments but i've never gotten violence from any and sort may, of christian
1: absolutely same and and especially it's especially disconcerting when we see those those same broad cultural behaviors within the the pagan community quote unquote because i've i cannot count how many times i have seen pagan groups either implicitly or explicitly be like well, we're going to try to use the gender binary to either exclude queer people or to recontextualize various forms of queerness within our male, female, heterosexual system. Yep. Um, and on top of that, I've seen even some queer or or LGBT centric pagan groups be super shitty about other things like at least i've seen at least two gay male masculine focused pagan groups um that basically have built their entire group identity on body shaming you have to be this swole ideal to even participate which is mind-bogglingly shitty and why 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 i guess i guess part of it like what we talked about about that false dichotomy and antagonism Defining itself against Christianity, but then and being antagonistic, and then not examining the shitty behaviors that have been inherited from, yeah, and not and not recognizing the positive behaviors that have been inherited from those cultural viewpoints. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and from my experience, and not talking about it. Yeah, pagan communities are so quick to even within our own space. And I know, like, pagan is just a, a loaded term, but they're so quick to throw specific parts of the community under the bus. You have pagan groups that are so quick to say, well, we don't do animal sacrifice, that's, you know, that's that group over there. You know, we're different from Santeria, we don't do that. They're not, you know, we're the good ones, you know, we just like, our, we just have our tarot cards, like, and we're cool on Halloween. Like, Read white. <laughs> read white. Uh, like, paganism in itself is just a hotbed of white supremacy.
1: It is. And that doesn't and that doesn't say that the community and its beliefs are unsalvageable. It's just a matter of there is no there does not seem to be an active conversation about how are we going to get forward momentum to stop that?
0: Yeah. So kind of summarizing this piece, our, our feelings are really that pagan is just limited. It has a huge history of violence and erasure, uninterrogated history of violence and erasure, it it's has a real strong potential to kind of stunt personal growth within specific practices. I've seen people not give up, but, you know, not go deep into their practice because they want to stay into the more holistic, broad pagan identity, and they're afraid of embracing a really specific religious practice because they're afraid it will pull them from their broader community. And it's a a false sense of community. Pagans are not out for each other on a broad scale. We are so quick to throw each other under the bus. Like Those heathens are Nazis, so they're not pagans. And if they're Nazis, they're not pagans. But, uh, you know... The whole group, not just the bad parts. You know, those people do animal sacrifices. They're not welcome here. Those groups do other practice that's not savory for white America. They're not part of the. We're so quick. So, yeah, pagans limited.
1: Yeah, it's it's ultimately more of a a stumbling block than anything else.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I guess that. It's... So uh, just a slight disclaimer, I, like. Again, we are using a very much a conflict-oriented kind of development style in that we, at least you and I are willing to leave paganism and go see what's out there, actually test the waters. We might come back and say, this is <laughs> the best of what we got right now, but I feel like no one's done that. No one has said, what if we just leave paganism behind and try to develop a new, a new identity? Right
1: yeah what what would that word look like what would that community look like if we took these beliefs and made something a new community around it mm-hmm. basically and it's a it's kind of what we want to explore um so i guess we should also then be really clear about our intent and purpose yes in doing that work
0: 100 percent
1: So, I think, would you like to, I feel like you probably can speak to the, like, ending white supremacy, destroying that structure, <laughs> than I can. I'm okay. definitely better at the second bullet point.
0: Alright, so, uh, I guess I'll start in that in, one. yeah i mean we've had these conversations a little bit off off the mic so some of this is is a developed idea others is still again very much we're gonna spit it as we think it that's <laughs> the so role with those people yeah yeah our main purpose really is to take paganism and try to actualize what people think it means so people always uh, you know there's this well, Besides the assumed whiteness, paganism feels like, uh, especially when you're in the community, that it's an assumed, expansive identity that it is inclusive of anybody that practices, and uh, you know, we always mess up with this, but <laughs> anyone who practices X kind of faith, whether that is a nature-based faith, a pre-Abrahamic faith, a culturally driven faith, something like that. So we're trying to actually get there, actualize that idea of exploring new concepts within just a broad, magical identity, not necessarily um, that. So uh, in the speaking to the eliminating white supremacy, it's really just trying to eliminate that assumed white identity inside paganism, Um, create and create a new foundation for, uh, oh, for me, create avenues for specifically white folks to access a cultural identity that is not whiteness. So whiteness teaches us that we must shed our familial or historical identities. So like for me, my family uh, is predominantly Polish, uh, Czechoslovakian and German. And whiteness tells us that, uh, you know, we must drop as much as possible of those cultural identities in order to assimilate into this broad white culture. So we're the goal is to allow for faiths to be access to those cultural heritage is to actually build your identity like i am now very through paganism i am much more strongly connected to my slavic well, my western slavic identity in some of the historical practices and some of the cultural traditions art things and i've been able to like slowly move away from this predominant idea of whiteness so that's like one of our goals is particularly for white pagans to allow for access to a cultural heritage that is not whiteness which paganism is whiteness so moving away from that
1: yeah and and i feeling that maw of cultural lack Mm -hmm. that is built by because monolithic white identity requires you to give up culture to gain privilege Mm -hmm. and so to find a way to set a foundation for building a culture that you have so rather than being a nationalistic identity an identity built on fear but rather an identity built on self and an identity that is can withstand criticism and can encourage and build from cultural exchange so if you have a, your own cultural identity, you don't necessarily need to be appropriative because you have something that, that you get to own yourself. And mm-hmm. then you can en- engage it from an equal standpoint. Yeah. So that's kind of a big part of it for me is that that's part of the expansiveness. And then also to to have a, spa- a communal space where people get to have constant dialogue and constant practice without having to constantly look over their shoulder and for white folks that means being in a space where you don't have to constantly be preoccupied with either be either being progressive or being mired in an old version of tradition but also for other folks means it's a space where they can feel safe in practice and then share that practice as they choose with others. So yes. it's, a, it's an equal space where the anxi- all these anxieties don't have to exist, mm-hmm. but rather everyone can commune in practice, whatever that looks like. And there will obviously be affinity groups. That's just how it goes. But those affinity groups will be on equal terms, and then we'll be able to cross-pollinate and work together.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the last pieces that's really important for us is this idea of being in the now not like that not being mired by tradition but pulling from it like paganism feels old i think some of the first times people talked about a pagan identity they always t- like it's always connected to folk tradition or um you know uh, oh god what's the uh stone tools Colin, what's the word for stone tools people
1: Paleolithic?
0: Yes. Uh, Paleolithic? Yeah. But connected to those time periods, trying to reclaim. um, And we're trying to say that that's good. It's good to have those traditional perspectives, but that you live in 2020. It's time for pagan pagan identity to be a part of the 2020 conversation. What is paganism in 2020?
1: I think what people... and, And this, I think, is a relatively broader cultural conversation in the US. But I think people mistake the feelings of nostalgia and familiarity. Familiarity is what we want. Familiarity with your tradition, being able to look back in the past and see something that's of value and that you get to hold on to. It's something connected. It creates that chain of ancestors. Nostalgia is assuming that something in the past is inherently better or works better because it exists in the past. We don't want nostalgia, we want familiarity, we want legacy, we want lineage, we don't want idealization or romanticism or um, fetishization.
0: (laughs) Definitely, so... I guess that brings us to what we actually think this new identity could look like. We've, I mean, we have no words yet. We've tossed around a few. We've thought about magical faiths, which you probably heard in our intro. We're trying to use that instead of pagan, at least for now
1: yeah we haven't developed a word i mean i like to for myself i just i start i'm gonna start using crone because that's a very specific word very specific to what we do but that doesn't necessarily fit y'all i mean it could you're welcome to join us in that because that'd be awesome but that's what i'm choosing to go with for now
0: true and but that brings so that brings me to my first point which we've talked about so if we're Moving to now, what do we think of these, the idealized future of where this identity group could go? At least what what the tenants would be of this new identity, and that's one of them is more intentional work on individual practice within a broader community. So we've tossed around for right now. Let's go with if we're going to call it magical faiths, that would be our broad identity category. You know, our collective structure, but within that, people should have. Intentional individual identities. You and I don't have the same internal or individual identities within a pagan faith. We practice very different things. We're both on a crone path that we're slowly developing together. But even that, we're two different crones.
1: Well, that that was part of what I would say is would would connect to your point, and was my first point: is a strong sense of community, both within and between identities, and dialogue of allyship. The crone path is an as a path of allyship. No two crones are the same, but they have some similarities and places to work from together. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, but I want to see that more intentional work. I think people work so quick to assimilate into a pagan identity that they lost some of that internal work, and they don't really know who they are as individuals within a pagan faith. And we really want that in this new category that you know yourself and you know who you are, and how you move into this space so that you really have a strong foundation to work from, and you're not so swayed. Because I think a lot of people are just swayed by the romanticism, and I, you know, I don't want to name names, but <laughs> Wiccan Wiccanism, you're, they're swayed by the the Titans of the pagan faith, and they don't let's, actually develop their own internal idea of what they want to practice.
1: At the risk of sounding like an asshole, let's. Uh, I'm going to be super honest about how I feel about this. Is as, as often. There's what they're swayed by and assimilate into is a sense is a false sense of oppression because, okay unless if if you are and this is talking mostly to white paganism, because unfortunately, paganism is a predominantly white group generally, Mm -hmm. um, is that if you are a white pagan, then you can be personally discriminated against. Ian and I have had conversations about how we've been discriminated against as people more for being pagan than for being queer but on a systemic level you're really not oppressed and the past oppressions of people who were not christian not necessarily yours to claim like salem witch trials as an example most of them identified if not all of them identified as christian even if they identified as some form of witch they still saw themselves as protestant christians these sorts of things like like trying to to claim past oppression and also trying to claim oppression systemic oppression that isn't happening is damaging to systemic oppression that is happening and the people who are trying to fight that and live through that you're not doing them any favors. Mhm.
0: Mm-hmm. 100%. Uh so what's what's another main point of our idealized future? That you
1: wanna... I would say embracing dialogue as a default rather than assumption of practice or tradition so meeting someone new would rather be instead of asking like uh, you know or sort of assuming that because they are wearing uh, a mjolnir pendant that they are a heathen of some kind rather being like oh let's this is a space where we get to share each other we get to share traditions or ideas with each other
0: yes Yes, definitely. I, I mean, I talk about this in just broad life. We need to do more work around leaving space for self-narration, because even two heathens, my heathen is not the same as your heathen. I mean, you're not a heathen, but uh, like two heathens do not practice heathenry in the same way. And we should allow for individual takes on specific practices,
1: 100%. So, yeah, what would be another point on your list of, of things to to work towards?
0: I think one thing that I think of, and it's it's much it's a modern conversation, but I think centering anti-hierarchical, anti-capitalist, anti-racist, anti-homophobia, anti-transphobia, anti anti-oppression politics. Um, I think that's much uh, is mo- mainly a modern conversation, but centering not um, making profit from our faith, not focusing on productivity in our faith. Uh, not focusing on stratifying power, trying to, like you said, make as best as we can, uh, make all things equal. Everyone is valid in their practice. Everyone is valid in their beliefs. I mean, as long as they maintain some sense of human rights. and, um, But besides that, everyone is valid and equal in their beliefs, uh, I think is really important.
1: Yeah, and I would say um, for me, the the next thing would be to accept um, and fight for the fair use and distribution of resources mm-hmm. and constantly have conversations over the sovereignty of land so that we can sort of create truly incru- inclusive physical spaces for gathering and dialogue because online space is good for some things but i'm i'm going to be one of those people who says that that um memory and activism can only exist in physical space truly exist in physical space yeah so so that we we need those physical spaces that are open to everyone and also to recognize how our use of the land impacts who who is land because magic is a lot of sovereignty which we're going to discuss in one of our future podcasts and as americans we live on land that we may not get to just claim sovereignty by default so what are our conversations with people whose ancestors are were sovereigns of the land before it was forcibly taken and how do we navigate that relationship so
0: because yeah and that leads to so I've had this thought, I guess, that um, I find it very difficult. I think I've said this in past episodes. I find it very difficult to commune with land. It's something I've always wanted to have in my practice, but I always hit the roadblock of this isn't my land and, you know, for variety of reasons, ancestors gave up their land and moved to the stolen land. So I don't even have land to go back to. So what does it look like to commune with land that isn't yours? And that's something that we could develop, and that would be developed with. And again, we talked about uh, becoming, you know, having cross relationships with other faiths, both within and without. I guess this magical kind of sector of faiths, because. That very easily, you know. I don't know if I can solve that within my lifetime, but I could envision a future where people who practice, um, I'll just go with, you know, who are a heathen in America for whatever reason, whether immigrant or because their family is a part of a colonizing history. um, I could envision a future where communal practice and coming together, we actually develop a way to commune with this land as though we lived on it because we've actually been able to rectify harm you know i don't think that's outside the realm of possibility
1: mm-hmm. and this is conversations that 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 should be had and also just another ideal is outside of this of the scope of shame and guilt yeah. rather about res- restorative justice justice and also ownership of our messy relationship because for example for me on the subject of land I run up against the block of land but I've also I also have a very strong connection to the land that exists in upstate New York. I love this land a lot. Like the not not the land is in like the nation state but the land is in the physical land itself. The hills and the valleys and the lakes are an intrinsic part of me as a person because I was born here and I grew up here. But that relationship is also messy for many reasons, part of which is because my family, my ancestors, had a direct impact on and were part of colonizing this land. Parts of my family have been here for a long time and were gifted land and helped clear land from peoples who it actually belonged to. Mm -hmm. So my love of this land exists in the idea of it's a part of me. It exists in the idea of there is some part in justice towards it that i have to participate in and also in that it reminds me of land i'm connected to elsewhere so my family is scottish i've been there and i have one of the goddesses i work with most closely is the land of scotland in and of herself and so this land is a lot like that land and so i have that proxy relationship too through her so it's messy And we can own that messy in all of the different regards in terms of magic not just lamb but in all those regards so we have to be able to embrace messy and the only way to work through messy is is conversate and as we converse, we'll find more messy and we just have to keep owning it until you know we get rid of shame and guilt and instead just love complexity
0: yeah yeah i think so that leads me i think to my final point for this part of our conversation i envision the ideal new identity to be one that is seated in the now, pulling from the past and ever looking forward, um, instead of kind of where we're at now, which is constantly looking backwards, sometimes in the present and never looking to the future. Um, but I w- I would love to see one that is intentionally move, trying to move forward and being the best new new version of themselves that they can be. Um, I would really love to see that. <laughs>
1: Yeah and I would say my final point would be that action will always have to be reflective both in the we've got to constantly look in the past present and future we've got to constantly look at our impact and then we have to emphasize communal action not everyone can think of or do everything at once or at all you know we're all going to have strengths weaknesses and blind spots and so Working together is the only way to actually make progress because one person being really good at something doesn't translate to a community or a culture being built. It just means one person is doing a thing, which is basically useless in terms of progress.
0: Yes, yes. All right. So that was a (laughs) I apologize if that was an incoherent, illogical or at least nonlinear pathway through that. Uh, Welcome to Colin and Ian's brain. Yeah yeah <laughs> every um,
1: every pathway has about 3 different ways going off of it and a lot of those have like weird unfortunate foothills and brambles full of anxiety and like personal examination So you just kind of got to wade through it.
0: But if that doesn't sum up our ideal future, because we, (laughs) I mean, we'll talk about this in terms of ancestors, I think in a later episode, but um, I view this community as a really beautiful forest with so many different pathways that intersect. wind some come to dead ends, some don't. Um, And that it's, but it's self-contained in this beautiful picturesque landscape.
1: (laughs) It's like a park. Yes. A very windy, twisty park. Yeah. But it's great.
0: So where I think you and I are both educators by trade in a lot of ways, so I think we'd be remiss if we did not give starting points because that just feels shady to not give people a place to start.
1: Well, any 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 manifesto or approach that gives no solution is ultimately setting people up for pale, failure. And you, even, you, even yeah, if it's not yeah, a comprehensive solution, read it just has to have some action points. Yes. So I would say my first point would be to um, focus your development within and then let it work without. So developing a consistent personal practice, not meaning every single day, but rather meaning develop what works for you and interrogate what that means for you and and its impact on others. And you will consistently... Fail for lack of a better term, in understanding your impact and understanding everything that goes on. And that's why communal work is great because people can make observations about you and you can make observations about them and then you learn together. Uh So I would say that and then developing, you know, connections and appreciation for different forms of practice. And the best way to do that is to engage with people over it because reading is good but in those cases, experience is better. Even if you can't go into a ritual that's closed, if someone wants to talk to you about something, be willing to absorb those ideas and appreciate it for what it is even if you can't do it yourself because it's not your place to do it. Try to just engage with it in some capacity.
0: Yes, and for me, my first thing is do your readings. There's so much out there Google is an amazing resource. The internet is an amazing resource. So you are... I think at this point in time, you are doing yourself a disservice by not going out and seeking information. So, I mean, just in general, being consistent with anti-racist frameworks a great book is how to be anti-racist by dr ibram x kendi Um, understanding historical perspectives on identity so understand like if for me in in being a heathen it's understanding what's the historical pathway for heathenry what did it look like what did it develop because honestly if people knew their history they'd know that there are non-white vikings and non-white heathens from centuries ago and we wouldn't be arguing about it now um and then understanding familial history so understanding where your family both blood and communal come from Uh, what are their origins? Cause I mean, I'm always a big proponent of you follow your family trees first when you are entering this practice because it's the richest, the most solid root system you have right there at your fingertips. So understanding those, doing your readings, doing your research, important.
1: Can I add a point to that? Hell yeah. With with the do your readings is don't take this from an academic approach, but rather a in search of knowledge approach, which unlike an academic, unlike a research paper, you're not going to get graded on this and you're not going to be able to turn it in at the end. You're just going to be able to develop from it. Mm -hmm. So don't, don't go at it with the goal of it being you'll get to some end goal, but rather just it's an ongoing process and also understand that especially with family history you're going to encounter trauma so prepare yourself for that because there are some roots that just may be close to you because you can't engage with them or you're gonna find stuff that's going to really mess with you and so don't expect to be a super person it's going to be pain all of this everything we've talked about is going to be painful and there's no shame in taking your own pace but setting forward momentum is what we're talking about
0: yeah and i guess to just to, to wrap that up is diversifying your reading intake um there is a higher in especially in america there's a hierarchy of knowledge uh, we privilege academic resources over personal experience over you know pop culture you should be pulling from all of it. Your understanding of your family history shouldn't just be, you know, ancestry.com, but it should also be family stories, asking questions about things that are just in your house. With historical perspectives, it shouldn't just be textbooks. It should also be what is, what are, again, kind of like the family stories. What are the stories that exist? Um, But you should diversify your media. Shouldn't just be academic. And and,
1: and also, especially because this is a magical path, this specifically magical path is, never be afraid of unverified personal gnosis which i hate the term which is something we should come up with something new for personal experience (laughs) is a better word that each person will have a different experience and that experience is super valid and something to learn from so in doing your work you will come across realizations that may not jive with others but they're very true for you and don't be afraid of that even if it doesn't line up with some historical textbook or published journal of mythology or whatever Mm -hmm. that experience is 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 going to be a great guide
0: hell yeah um and i guess our last point is embrace the mess this (laughs) if you haven't learned anything from this podcast and this episode in particular is this is a messy conversation full of nonlinear thought uh, full of uh, I didn't mean that, and let me rethink that. Full of yes and no and maybes, um, but embrace that. This is a lifetime journey of development and growth, and where you're at now is not where you're going to be in five years, and it may not where you're, where you it may not be where you're going to be even five minutes from now. You can come to whole new realizations in a matter of seconds.
1: And as a human, you're going to have to be comfortable with holding contradictory truths. Especially as someone with a, in a magical faith. It's, it's just full of, of that. And, and also understanding critique versus personal attack. So it's, it's difficult. It's definitely a difficult process. And we should probably speak a little bit more. Ian, what would your insight and suggestions be on this? This is a very important personal practice just for life skills.
0: Yeah, so my personal practice in engaging with critique is I always, I mean, there's a variety of ways in which critique happens, but if they're person-to-person, I can speak from the personal, um, is I always just sit and listen. I think everyone's entitled to be able to lay out their critiques with a complete open mind. Like, I have to be willing to hear out someone and what they're willing to critique of me, faith or otherwise. Um, After that, I definitely reserve the right to say whether I feel it is um, valid for my experience. You know, not every critique is valid. Uh, Not every critique is uh, helpful. But um, that first part of listening is really important, because if you refuse to listen, you could really miss some key things. Um, But critique is all about personal growth. If someone is critiquing you, it is because they know or see or feel that you can be better, that you could be a better version of yourself. And they're going to, a lot of people have various techniques. Some people are very direct and point out what uh, needs work. Um, Some people like to sandwich compliments and uh, critique together. But it's all about your growth. And very much based on intuition, you can tell when someone's really in it for your personal growth, no matter their tone. Someone could be reading you for filth tearing you up tearing you apart but you know because of your relationship that they're in it for your growth and it's critique and personal attacks are they feel very much uh directly targeted they're really about personhood um but the difficult thing here especially as white folk is that everything feels like a personal attack um which is why i always say you got to listen first because there's so much we close ourselves off to because they feel like personal attacks that we just say no even before it happens
1: and also um the the difference really comes in terms of two is tone is it is or is not important depending on who you're dealing with personally but a critique always is an investment by someone else so they're going to want to engage with you over it versus a personal attack is going to end because they completed the goal Yep. A critique, a critique offers a solution and wa- and wants work towards the solution. A personal attack is just closure and it leaves damage. Mm-hmm. So a critique, a critique finds some some path to follow, yeah. and that's a good way to tell. Because if Definitely. someone's off, if someone's basically offering you their help in whatever way, and they'll probably want to continue to offer help, then. It's something you can disengage with a little bit in terms of like, is this about me, but more rather about what what can we do?
0: Mm, yeah, and I think that's a big another important thing is critiques can feel personal, but they aren't. Again, you know, that just might be the way the person critiques. They're very upfront direct about it. Um, but they're not personal attacks. Uh, and I think the one other thing is that, the growth sometimes isn't obvious, I think, especially for white folk, the growth can sometimes, it, it can feel like someone is telling you everything you did wrong without offering you a room for growth, but kind of in the messiness of whiteness and the messiness of identity, just the pointing out like where you're fucking up, for lack of a better term is an opportunity for growth it doesn't feel like it because it's not saying here's how you can be better but pointing out your flaws pointing out the pit holes is an opportunity to be better and so sometimes you have to be willing to not have the fun end of the conversation here's how you can be better moment because that might just not be a part of the conversation at that time but it's still an opportunity for growth it's a little nuanced
1: yeah and then also a willingness to feel grief. And this is kind of yeah. one of the things that you really wanted to put to, yes. to put out there. So I'm gonna let you handle that one.
0: So grief has been a big part of my life for a variety of reasons, but it's been a big thing I've been fascinated about working through because I feel like we don't as a society, I think largely as a Western American society, especially white Western American society, we don't have a, a way of working through grief. And there's so much grief that we go through that if we had the tools to feel through it, we would get through it a lot faster and be able to actually move towards positive growth. So I think... A lot of the feelings of grief, especially in this kind of what we're talking about in terms of faith, is especially for white practitioners, is a loss of practice. I know so many people that <laughs> uh, I don't know personally, but I've seen people experience or for lack of a better experience, grief around losing practices. like if you've gone through your whole life thinking about you know practicing um, like smudging as a practice because it's, you know what you read it on the internet and what you saw in books and you've been doing it for like, The time you were 15 to you know the time you were like 22 like getting into college and all of a sudden you come across that's fucked up and appropriation and now you are like oh man this kind of key thing that i did in my life is no longer part of my life because i have to let it go there's grief in that um like as an individual there's a grieving process you have to let go of something and feel through losing it that process should be slow should be like relatively quick because it was never yours to begin with but there's still a grief process to that and that connects to loss of community i felt it you know coming into quote-unquote pagan spaces and being confronted with transphobia queerphobia straight-up racism and being like man i gotta leave this and oh man now i don't have a community i need to feel through that grief and then also loss of expertise you know as white folk we are trained to seek out being an expert in everything that we do. And so often, especially in this type of work, you're constantly coming across new information, especially as white folk, we're never the experts in a lot of ways. There's always something to learn. It's hard to be an expert. I don't really think you could be an expert in faith. I mean, that's a whole other tangent about uh, Masters of Divinations and collegiate practices for faith practitioners and being experts in faith Um, but there's a grieving process for that too and I think as a community if we are trying to achieve this ideal of communal, anti-racist anti-capitalist kind of idealistic future we have to let go of the old one if we're moving on from paganism we'll have to grieve the loss of everything it did for us, everything it was for us, the community that we built from it Um, and we'll have to let it go, bury it let it live its life in the next world and then move on. But like through that grieving, we're able to let go and actually have an unencumbered chance at growth, which I think is the key thing of grief, of actually
1: grieving. Yeah. And that's great thing about magical faith is that we have a whole variety and scope of ritual because ritual is the best way to deal with grief. And guess what? It's not productive in a traditional capitalist sense. So allow yourself the time and energy and power to grieve, to use ritual to grieve, but also don't jump right on the grief train because look at at how you're framing it. Burning herbs in the way that most people think of smudging is a much more widespread practice, but by framing it as smudging, it's appropriative if we reframe and find alternatives. There's not much grieving to be done. There's yeah. just redefining and reframing. So just because something is problematic, don't don't become catastrophic about it. It means yeah. that there's work to be done, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's as, as big or as hard as you think it is, but rather sometimes it's just about reframing it so that it's not damaging. Mm-hmm. Things on their own are often not as bad as they seem. It's just about mitigating impact harm reduction or harm removal don't 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 think of it as a personal loss unless it truly is absolutely a personal loss
0: but i think there is something to say about using the process of grieving as a method for get because i think whiteness makes us stick in it like we i think whiteness forces us to feel the loss of like smudging as an appropriative practice as grieving because you know whiteness says that we own everything and we have access to everything so losing it feels catastrophic so i think there is something to say about actually using the process of grieving using some sort of you know you might use a literal uh quote-unquote uh burial ritual to like literally bury that practice so that it is out of your life dead to you and i think that actually could be a quicker process than doing the whiteness grieving method of i want it and so it's mine so i think but i think there is something to say about using grieving as an actual practice like yeah you're right no it's not everything it's a a
1: great it's a great practice my my what i'm thinking of is more we should be able to embrace grieving in its authenticity which is not 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 traditionally productive incredibly hard very (laughs) time consuming and emotionally draining often you'll need to lean on other people and generally if you have friends with boundaries you'll be able to lean on each other um and also to ex to 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 see to see grieving as a way to find closure and then fill that gap rather yes. than seeing it as a gaping loss it's difficult when your identity is built to be on loss and scarcity and so grieving part of grieving is filling the space back up with something whether that be whether that be memories or filling that space up with something even more empowering so like i never got invested in smudging so i can't exactly say that um, i've suffered any big loss (laughs) but i found shaming instead or or you know the or, or that fear has been replaced by something else like i was super scared of taking a big leap into an unknown set of practices today i took that big leap and i feel even stronger than before because all these things i thought have been validated so using using grieving to overcome the fear is i think very valid as well. I know that that was not the most logical thought process, but I hope everyone can follow it.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I, in develop in kind of filling that gaping hole, I think one of the best ways to fill a like grieving is really hard as a solo act. So kind of in connection with that, develop a community. Don't uh, 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 and you you can speak more to this, but don't uh, develop a community, but that doesn't embed your personal value into it. Develop people that are there for you simply because you are you, and when you go through a grief, they will are able to easily pull you out of it and move you forward.
1: Yeah. So what I what I would I would say is by embedding your personal value, what I what I would what I'm talking about is in doing all of this work we've set up is that don't Don't put your value as a person. Don't say I'm either good or bad, which is a false dichotomy to begin with, but don't say I'm good or bad based on my success or failure in the work, but rather trying is where it's at. So it's difficult because in magical faith, intention counts for a lot more than it does in other areas of your life. Um, But your impact is important and just being able to own your impact and move forward from it is what's important if you fail people will still still be people who like you and love you and care about you 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 finding that community is so important because then you can do the work together without feeling like any failure will leave you alone it won't your your ability to continue onward is is what we're really what we're really trying to impress on you because ian and i as people we talk <laughs> you you only get to see us talk a good game on our podcast as individuals we constantly have issues in our own lives with these sorts of things but we're we want to keep momentum going and that's why we started this podcast to begin with because we wanted a path that suited us and that kept that mo that built built that momentum for us so yeah. Don't see yourself as only worthwhile if you're doing a quote-unquote good job. See yourself as worthwhile because you're human and that your effort to make yourself a less harmfully impactful person and a more empowering to yourself and others person is good work to do.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 100%. I also said that if you are finding yourself feeling like your value is connected to the community that you're a part of, it's probably a toxic relationship a really good indicator oh if that's the only thing
1: yeah if if (laughs) if you're not if 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 the community is not empowering you as a person and the only thing that keeps you going is the is their validation and that's it then it's probably not a safe place to be yeah and that's why you can reach out to other people like like, us (laughs) like us yeah (laughs) we're building this community on purpose and if we're being like if we are being toxic then you should tell us so that we can make it better We should all be accountable, Ian and I included.
0: Oh, well, yes, which is, yeah. Uh, And I mean, that brings us to, like, we've, you said it, we've developed this path as a way to sort of contextualize a lot of these feelings. I think, looking back on a lot of the conversations we've had about developing a Chrome path, they kind of really were a lot about this. Not. Specifically, but this was one definitely like leaving uh, a pagan identity behind was a part of the idea of building our own path, because we felt so kind of betrayed or let down or a variety of emotions by pagan communities uh, at large that we said, "Eff it, we'll make our own."
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. that was that was really the case, and that kind of ties it to our crone path is just the the trying the intuition we're talking about but also living a life of death in a certain way like transformation transformational living and dying those cycles that exist in each of us ian would you like to speak to that really specifically
0: yeah i think one of the beauties i have found in embracing a crone path is the fallacy of the end that nothing is an end i think so much of my fear of letting go of pagan faith as a as an identity was in that it is the will be the end of my pagan practice but that just wasn't true it, it was actually just shaking off a lot of change that let that was holding and still is because we haven't done all of the work but that is holding me back from fully embracing the path or paths that I'm meant to walk. Like, I feel like we limit ourselves to being just a pagan or just a heathen. Um, And part of the crone path is there's the fallacy of the end. When you hit one end, it just means a new beginning.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that, that, that process of, like, Ian touched on it earlier about how you're not the same as you will be tomorrow or next week or next year or even in the next five minutes. Those constant cycles of reflection and redefinition are life and death within yourself and death is sometimes the most exciting part because becoming something new is scary and we don't like to face it i can speak to this as someone with constant issues with anxiety in my life the ability to take risks is really limited but often those are the best payoffs i mean look at all the chaos that it can be created and negative chaos that can be created by trying to resist becoming new. The entirety of Norse mythology as we have it recorded now is Odin refusing to die, even though he's gonna come back and it'll be fine. But he gets so many people killed and so many people hurt because he can't accept the cycle of life and death.
0: Yep. Yeah, and I think one of the other big things I love about uh, kind of developing this Chrome path, I mean, this is, I think, up our alley in terms of personality. Uh, but living a life of dissent, pushing boundaries in order to find new growth and a new way forward, always asking who isn't present, who cannot be present, or who is present but always under the constant threat of violence. I feel like I've so often, not necessarily vocally, but I've always been a person in space who's just like, I don't know if I agree with that, or... Maybe not. Or is there a better way to do that? Are we missing someone? I feel like I've always been that type of person, just in general. And a crone path kind of, I think, uh, wrapped that up into a faith practice, which is so fulfilling. Um, Like just this conversation, we're asking people to burn burn a, a centuries, if not millennia old identity. For the prospect of maybe a new one. We don't know. This could all not pan out and we could be left with nothing. That's fine. But if we. How do we know? But it wouldn't actually be nothing. It wouldn't be nothing. But how do we know if we didn't try? And living in that space of constantly pushing to the very edges of what we could possibly think to happen or to uh, imagine existing is scary, but really fun.
1: Yeah, and I mean it's it's the crone the crone life is the crone is the crone is crone time which is a nonlinear um yeah. and doesn't necessarily make the most sense and is a lifelong thing but also is about having no time for bullshit so if something you you, you know call something out unless it puts you in actual physical danger you know try to challenge yourself to call shit out and that's a difficult process. I know I struggle to hold myself accountable to that one, but that's that's Chrome life. It's just, you know, just not having time for the bullshit.
0: <laughs> and I will say that calling shit out sometimes is, is literally walking out. There is yeah. a statement to be made by pulling yourself out and saying, I will not give my time, resources, and energy to this space. You do not, you're not worthy of my time. <laughs> so that is something you can do Leave. They will miss you. And when they ask you why you left, you can then tell them how fucking ridiculous they are. <laughs> the,
1: yeah, that's very, mu- very much the case. <laughs> and, and also, you know, this is an opportunity for you to develop whatever you want to be. I mean, if you're someone who has really felt like Magical Face speaks to you, but you haven't found a group that works for you, you don't have to try to fit in with all those online forums or organized groups because you can create your own community or you can join with ours. You know, this is an opportunity to build what you want. It's you haven't done anything wrong in your faith. Mm -hmm. And other people haven't, you know, they're waiting. There are people who are waiting for someone like you to find a space for them. So you won't be alone. And even if that means...
0: I was gonna say all faith started with someone. They don't just yeah. magically appear out of thin air.
1: And if it, and even if you just want to exist in the same space as people with a sort of similar approach to faith, that's why the Crone path is here. Because we're all we're all allies in the work. We're not adherents to a dogma. We're all walking, like Ian said, we're all walking in the same nature preserve. And it's really great when we all get to walk and talk together. Sometimes those paths diverge and we'll have to say goodbye. Sometimes they'll go on until we leave the preserve or we fall over on our faces. Who knows? But <laughs> it's 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 a path of allyship. We don't have to be the same dogma to walk and talk.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, um, I feel fulfilled out of this conversation. As no, this is good. Incoherent, it probably was. <laughs> can't wait to listen no to this self doubt. No self-doubt. No self-doubt. Self doubt. Good phrase. I can't wait to listen to this back and be like, wow, proud of us. <laughs>
1: it's so good. No, I'm very proud of us. And y'all should be proud of yourself for listening to the end. Good for you.
0: Yeah, you got through this. Uh, you deserve a cookie. I wish we could give out prizes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, if you enjoyed this, uh, please be sure to follow us on wherever podcast, you listen to podcasts, whether that's Apple, Spotify, uh, I don't know if people can give us a like or leave comments there. People always say that at the end of podcasts, give a like, leave a comment. I think that might be Apple. I don't actually look at Apple. I'm a Spotify person, but, uh, Me you too. know, engage with our podcasts on wherever podcasts are listened to.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if you want to have any of your ideas featured on the show, any stories, um comments, critiques, questions, we're happy to feature them or to, you know, keep them private. But please, please, please engage with us. Like we've been saying, this is a community effort. So you want to engage our community. There's no shame in reaching out to us, even if you feel like, oh that's a stupid question. It really isn't. Trust me. Do it. Do it. Just do it. And you know what? We would love to have people's perspectives on the show. So come on, do it.
0: (laughs) Get it. <laughs> Thank you, Emperor Palpatine. You're welcome. <laughs> Um, favorite also moment sure to, in Star Wars. Thank you. Be sure to follow us on various social medias. We are on Facebook at Croneporch, C-R-O-N-E-P-O-R-C-H. We're also on Instagram and now Twitter at Croneporch, C-O-R-N-E-S-P-O-R-C-H. Uh, we try to be active here and there.
1: Uh, <laughs> we just basically reshare content that we
0: really like. We reshare content. I, I like to post my favorite Etsy shops. I recently made a post on our Instagram about one of my favorite Etsy shops shops in the world the herb witch on etsy um, hey Etsy
1: shops hey etsy shops if you want sponsorship deals we got you we're cheap we we love to call out cool people doing cool things <laughs> but we like to have our podcast funded so hit us up we're super happy to work with you
0: i mean there are uh, definitely space uh if you are struggling etsy or you're uh, an etsy shop of color um and you need some Free advertising. Please also reach out to us because yeah, we'd love to support we're not our, we're we're not money. We hacker. want to support <laughs> our
1: community first.
0: <laughs> I swear. Um, yeah. Uh, we also can all those critiques, all those emails. Also, if you uh, want to shout out uh, for your small shop, small business, uh, or you're a sponsor who somehow thinks that we have a community uh, worth sponsoring, uh, <laughs> please send us an email at cronesport or cronesports at gmail.com uh we will respond to you at a time that is convenient uh which could be two minutes or three weeks depending on uh our schedules
1: i will i will try very hard to respond within a week
0: <laughs> yes um but this was this was fun
1: this I like was like this
0: good these are good <laughs> these, these are, are good chances yeah. yeah so we will see you we have an episode coming up this month in august um then it's september which will be another three-episode month with a tangent, a main episode, and a high holiday we'll be entering a mayban which we were hoping to be able to do live from Pink and Pride Day, but uh, that's unfortunately a not. Now. Unfortunately not this year, but in future years we will.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. We may we may find some way to do it live. Maybe Ian and I will go for a socially distant walk and talk, but that's up in the air.
0: Yeah, that'd be interesting. That's a good idea. Write that down. <laughs> I, I I have <laughs> good um but until next time i will say those with
1: i will say a word Shlan.
0: <laughs> and we will see you next time on the crone's porch bye everyone bye